from the USC Viterbi School of Engineering in Los Angeles, this is Escape Velocity. I'm your host, Daniel Juhora. Darren Gray had it all. As an engineer in the late 1980s at Hughes Aircraft, the Google or Facebook of its day, the USC Viterbi alumnus earned good money. He impressed his bosses and even had an El Segundo office just five minutes away from the beach. Darren even worked on a chip that ended up on the radar system of modern jet fighters. Darren loved his life. He loved his two-hour lunches. But one day, everything changed when a woman asked him if he'd be interested in teaching math and computers to gang members. The place? An L.A. alternative high school. A last-ditch effort to re-engage about 6,000 students that had dropped out of the school system completely. Darren's response? There's no way. I'll come here and volunteer, but no, no, I appreciate the compliment. And so over time, I started to see, and after talking to the kids, that there were no quality math teachers in South Los Angeles. And I don't mean that in a sense of exaggeration. I mean, there were none because the top math teachers got to choose where they taught and they would elect not to teach in schools that did not have high quality math classes. Like, why would I teach algebra to kids who may not know fractions when I could be teaching calculus on the West side? And I would meet these kids who were just so super smart who didn't understand math because they didn't have a good math teacher. And I said, well, somebody needs to do something about that. I called my mom and I said, so, I think I should become a teacher. I've wanted to be an engineer since, you know, 10th grade. I wanted to do this. I thought maybe I would retire as a teacher after I made a fortune, but I think I want to become a teacher. And then she said, if that's where God's calling you, then that's where you need to go. After telling his boss of his plan to change careers, Darren received some surprising advice from his supervisor. So what he said to me was, I understand a lot of black guys who come here feel guilty about their success and they give up that success because they want to help their people. That's not how you help your people. You help your people by becoming the best engineer that you possibly can. So I don't think you should leave. I think you should take a leave of absence to get this out of your system and then come back. Darren accepted the leave of absence and quit Hughes a week later. That turned out to be one of the best decisions of his life. For the next 30 plus years, Darren has served in education in several capacities. First as a teacher and later as a high school coordinator. And now as co-director of the USC Viterbi School of Engineering's K-12 STEM Center. When I look back in my life, I want to make sure that I have made people's lives better. That's more important to me than all the pieces of paper on my wall or my CV or anything. It's when my students say that Mr. Gray had a huge impact in my life. His impact has been huge. As a teacher of the Youth Intervention Program and later coordinator at the Metropolitan Skills Center, Darren could make math interesting by appealing to students' interests. For instance, discussing a song's beats per minute with an aspiring rapper. Under his direction, graduation rates at Metropolitan tripled, along with the number of students going on to college. Darren was literally untouchable. I didn't know until years later that I was under somebody's protection because no one ever messed with my car, no one ever robbed me. Somebody liked what I was doing, and I had asked, you know, why? And the lady who ran the school, she said, well, you're the first black engineer that any of us have ever seen. And nobody wants to kill a unicorn, so (laughs) so, nobody wants to be that guy. You know, you killed the unicorn. I 
wasn't surprised for people to say that I was the first black engineer that they had met. I wasn't surprised at the relative few number of black engineers because I went to work every day at Hughes Aircraft and there weren't that many black engineers. So it didn't surprise me. It did sadden me though because um, the people who made the opportunities possible for me through the civil rights era, my, 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 my mom, and going back all the way to the early part of the century, they had made great sacrifices in order for the opportunities to be there. And, you know, nearly 100 years later, people still saw me as the one that they had, the first one that they've met. And, and it saddened me. And it's, you know, stealed my resolve because in, I was, again, a volunteer uh, working at Hughes. And that is what made me shift into education because I wanted to make sure that this wasn't the case, you know, 100 years from now. What can I tell you about Darren Gray? First, picture a man always wearing a suit and tie, even on blazing hot summer days when his colleagues are in t-shirts. There's a reason for that. We'll get back to that later. To really understand Darren, though, you need to look at his mother, his hero, a five-foot, hundred-pound dynamo who instilled in him his love of learning, ambition, and fearlessness. Back in Detroit, from the ages of three to seven, much of Darren and his sister's lives were spent on the campus of Wayne State University, watching their mom return to school as an adult. There was no childcare for the Gray family. Instead, they waited patiently by the fountain or in the lecture hall as their mom pursued their degree in anthropology. Even then, their mom, Lois Merriweather, showed them what was possible. We always were required to go to school and do well in school. That was just it. And her philosophy was, yeah, the world's unfair, life is tough, things are bad. You still have to do what you need to do because there are no excuses for you not doing well. And no matter what the issue was, we had to do well. And that was just her whole mentality. Not only did you have to do well, but as a black man, she told him, he had to do better than anybody else. When I was in eighth grade, I was supposed to be valedictorian. And the year before, the valedictorian was the first African-American valedictorian at school. We went to parochial school. They decided that if they wanted to keep the white kids at that school, that they could not have another black valedictorian. So when they calculated the grades for valedictorian, they went as far back as they had to so that this one student had a 0.01 higher GPA than me. Not through finals, not through the end. They just kept going back until they found the place where he was and they made him valedictorian. And they knew they were wrong because they gave me every other award. They were making up awards for me. And so my mom said, don't ever let it be close. You know, she was like, I'm not mad at them. This is what they do. You let it be close enough to where they could do that. You need to always be better. You need to always do more. You need to always work harder. You have to work twice as hard to get half as far. That's what your life will always be. Don't ever let it be close. Darren's native Detroit also shaped him in profound ways. Sure, he hates the frigid winters and grew up in Detroit's gritty west side. But the Motor City has an authenticity and a moxie all its own. Detroit, like Darren, won't quit. Growing up, Darren said his academic success acted like a protective shield just as it would years later in Los Angeles. Even the young men, they always saw me as smart. And because of that, I wasn't allowed to get in certain type of trouble. 
that was in every neighborhood we lived in. We lived in primarily three different neighborhoods in my childhood. And all of the young men and even some of the older men, I was not allowed to do certain things because one, they were terrified of my mom, but two, they were like, dude, you're really, really, really smart. And so that's what I was known for, was being really, really, really smart. Even today, Darren feels completely at ease in Detroit, especially as a black man. I love going home to Detroit because when I walk in Walmart in Detroit, nobody follows me because everybody there is black. So they're not going to follow me. I am on guard every time I walk into a store in Los Angeles, every time. I have a whole routine of walking into a store and then walking out without buying something. So I'm walking in the store. I change my mind. I have to go through this. Oh, my God, I forgot something. Oh, I hate when it happens. I have to go through this whole performance so that I don't get stopped on my way out every time. At 55 years of age, with almost my sixth degree going, state guard, all of the things I have, I have a routine that I have to do if I don't buy something in the store. And it's got to be dramatic because, you know, they're all watching me on the camera. It's this whole thing. When I'm in Detroit, I can walk in and walk out and nobody even looks at me. Darren might call Detroit home, but he has lived in sunny Southern California for nearly four decades. He left the Rust Belt for the City of Angels to become a Trojan in 1983. When Darren first visited the USC campus, he discovered some new music. I think it was the year that they were making the campus non-drive-through. They were tearing up the street. There was construction everywhere. It was really, really hot. It was dusty. It was just a bad day. I did not have a great sense of it. And I already, you know, I've been accepted at a bunch of other schools, and I was just deciding where I wanted to go. And I was just like, ugh. And so I asked my orientation advisor, who still to this day is a friend of mine, I asked, why would I want to come here? And she looks at me and says, because we're SC. And at that very moment, I kid you not, the band comes out walking down. They, they used to bring the band out for the orientations. Full Trojan regalia. It was so hot outside. And they had the full things on. And they were just like. This is where I'm going. <laughs> because despite everything else, we're still SC. And that was what sold me on it. You know, the fight on and the standing in the face of adversity. Darren loved USC, but USC didn't always love him back. Subtle racism abounded with faculty and staff derisively referring to their black and brown neighbors outside the ivory tower as locals. Darren ate lunch with other black students like filmmaker John Singleton on Minority Bench, a self-described spot on campus where they would feel somewhat less isolated. Nobody asked him to join an engineering study group until his junior year. The reason? One classmate confided that she and her peers expected black engineering students to quit USC Viterbi or drop out altogether after their first year or so. Then there was the USC campus police who couldn't seem to get enough of Darren. I lived in Trojan Hall my freshman year on campus. And my freshman year, I was stopped 23 times by campus security. I was stopped for riding my bike through campus. I was stopped going to the bathroom in my dorm. And I had to carry my ID with me everywhere. I was pulled out of a calculus class because someone said that I didn't belong. So they came to my class, pulled me out, and I always had to have my ID on me and my keys to show. Now, you remember how I said Darren always wears a suit and tie? Well, here's why. After 23 times, Darren learned that someone who looked like a Detroit Darren was not exactly welcome on this campus. Even today, as a USC administrator, at the age of 55, the feeling doesn't go away. 
the student affairs folks were like, why don't you ever wear our T-shirts on graduation? We wear T-shirts. And why don't you wear it at the welcome for the freshmen? And I say, because me in a T-shirt comes off different than you in a T-shirt. I get to campus early in the morning. And, you know, if I'm there at seven in the morning and I'm wandering around through one of the engineering buildings, someone will call security on me unless I have a shirt and tie on. There's a calculus of, is it worth my life? And since it's not worth my life, I'll just wear the shirt and tie. And yet, Darren still believes in USC's capacity to fight on, to wage that eternal battle of self-reflection and improvement. Back in 1984, the chief of public safety eventually asked to meet with Darren and asked him to serve on a committee to reform it. Darren joined with alacrity. Throughout the campus, he saw many examples of USC trying to do the right thing, even if throughout the 1980s, the university sometimes fell short. No matter how bad the university was, the university at the same time was supporting these organizations that were supporting underrepresented students. So at the same time, there was all this racist behavior going on. Somebody at the university was saying, we still need these organizations. So on the third floor of Student Union, the Black Student Union had its office. On the fourth floor, the Black Student Services, which is now CDCSA, they had theirs. We had a Latino floor. There was efforts within the university to make a difference. So there were always elements in the university that were just trying to get better because at the core of it, it was the Trojan family. That was the binding, that spirit, that family, that fight on was still at the core of it. And then when Dr. Steve Sample became the president, he said, we are the community. The community is us. When he said, this is what we're doing, when he started the Good Neighbors campaign, when he started thinking about how we can be better neighbors and how we can improve what happens on campus, that really started the move in that direction. And that was followed when Dr. Nikias, he was raising funds for the university village. He made sure that neighborhood folks were able to get some of the contracts. You know, that's taking a step to make sure. I know some of the contractors that were hired to work at the university village. Not only did they get money, but it also put them in the position for other things because they got to work on this massive contract at USC. One of my friends, he ended up hiring one of the contractors for some work around his house. And he was just going on and on that ever since he started working at SC, he's been getting a lot of jobs. And so when Dr. Nikias, you know, taking that step of this is what we do. And you have Wanda Austin, you have Dr. Fultz. When you have the leadership of the university, when they hired Earl Pacinger, when they hired Tom Sales, they were bringing in people that were trying to make the university better. You know, our dean always talks about engineering a better world. And there are people at the university who really believe that we can make the world a better place. And we got to start here at home. Darren ended up graduating from USC in 1988 with a triple major in biomedical and electrical engineering and in math, possibly the university's only triple threat that year. He later earned a teaching credential from UCLA, an MA in teaching math from USC, and an EDD in Education Technology from Boise State, and an MS in Cybersecurity from Cal State San Marcos earlier this year. That's a lot of schools, but only one, USC, is near and dear to his heart. Darren bleeds Trojan crimson and gold. Perhaps that's why he agreed way back in 1996 to take a part-time position in STEM outreach for USC Viterbi, even though he was working full-time as a coordinator at the Metropolitan Skills Center, the alternative high school. A self-described workaholic, Darren went to Metropolitan in the morning, and then in the afternoon, he taught STEM to area elementary school students for USC Viterbi. 
And I'm out there just having fun building rockets and blowing stuff up, and I'm just having a blast. Darren's secret sauce as a teacher really comes down to one word, passion. There's a reason why he's called Mr. STEM, but that's only half the battle. The other half is what his engineering brain calls the transfer function. How do you transfer that passion for math to someone else's brain? I wasn't doing the stupid stuff you see on TV, you know, when they start talking about like criminals and math problems. I think that's the stupidest thing. Like, John wants to solve five grams of crack. No, I didn't do any of that. What I did was I would ask the students what they were interested in, whether it was music, whether it was art. I would always try to find a connection to their passion, not to their stereotype or their circumstance. And that's where those well-meaning teachers fail. They think the circumstance and the condition of these children is their identity. And it's not. That's their circumstance and their situation. Their identity is that four-year-old who says, look at those bugs. You know, I I want to know where those ants are going. That's the person that I would try to talk to because that person's still in there. As he had done at Hughes and at the Youth Intervention Program nearly a decade before, Darren made an immediate impact. His whimsical approach to hands-on science learning proved so popular that other local schools wanted him to teach their students. Soon thereafter, USC Viterbi expanded the mission science program to several nearby elementary schools. And since Darren couldn't clone himself, he began teaching teachers how to incorporate more hands-on science learning into their classrooms. Then, Darren oversaw USC Viterbi's college outreach program. He then supervised and wrote the curriculum for the school's on-campus summer STEM program for children. Then he trained USC Viterbi and other USC students to become volunteer math and science instructors to area K-12 students. Incredibly, he did all of this on a part-time basis, only leaving his coordinator's job and going full-time at USC Viterbi in 2016. The USC Viterbi K-12 STEM Center has a rich lineage, going back to the days of disco. First, there was the Minority Engineering Program, now the Center for Engineering Diversity, established in 1975. USC was the first private university in California to fund a program focused on the recruitment, retention, and graduation of African-American, Hispanic, and Native American students. That same year, one of the first three chapters of SHIP, the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers, was created. You guessed it, right here at USC. Two years later, the USC MESA, Mathematics, Engineering, Science Achievement Program, was established. One of the nation's most successful efforts to encourage K-12 students from minority groups to consider science and technology as career paths. Fast forward to today. As co-director of the USC Viterbi K-12 STEM Center, alongside Katie Mills, Darren's reach has been immense. The center impacts 927 schools per year. That's roughly 18,000 students a year, 98% of whom are historically underrepresented in STEM. To put that in perspective, here's Dr. Brandy Jones my recent co-host, and now a research professor at the USC Rossier School of Education. The work led by Dr. Darren Gray and the K-12 STEM Center is so important. Today's young people need exposure and access to science, technology, and engineering. In our increasingly technology-driven world, being STEM literate is critical. We absolutely need more Darren Gray's, his extraordinary passion and deep commitment to STEM outreach leads to the Wanda Austins, John Slaughters, Timothy Pinkstons, and Stacey Finleys of the future. 
I'm so incredibly proud of all Darren Gray is, all he does, and all he will do. Looking back, Darren feels an incredible pride in his words, creating a space where kids of color have an opportunity to do STEM. We don't actually think in terms of career development. We're not trying to recruit for Microsoft and Northrop. I'm not trying to get second graders to commit to being an engineer. What I'm trying to do is the same thing I did for LA Unified, empower them to be able to make that choice at some point. Which brings us, of course, to the third anthem in Darren Gray's life, like Detroit versus Everybody and the USC fight song, one of Darren's all-time favorites. So the next time you see Darren on Bloomwalk, immaculate in his suit and tie, it's quite possible that in his head, what this Detroit native is really hearing is... I get knocked down and I get up again. Nothing's ever, ever going to keep me down. Again, fight on spirit, which is no matter the obstacle, you know, I failed my first class ever at USC. And I was like, what is this letter on my grade? I don't understand this. I've never seen one of those. Can someone explain what this means? And it wasn't like quitting. It was like I got knocked down. I didn't know how to study because I never had to. I didn't know how to take notes. I didn't do anything. So I got back up again. I was like, all right, I'm going to learn how to do this. It's going to take me longer. I'm going to have to do more stuff. I'm going to have to overcome more. And I got knocked down plenty of times. You know, it was like, oh, really? My financial aid didn't come through and I have no food. Oh, really? Okay, so coffee is an appetite suppressant. So if I can eat in the morning and drink coffee all day, I can wait till I get home before I eat again. So it was just constant, you know, knock down, up again, knock down, up again. This has been Escape Velocity, brought to you by the USC Viterbi School of Engineering in Los Angeles. Thank you for listening. Sing some songs that remind him of the good times. Sing some songs that remind him of the better times.